there's a crisis at the border in the United States. According to the U.S. House Oversight Committee, in just the first three months of the fiscal year of 2023, over 7,000 migrants a day, on average, were apprehended after illegally crossing the border. This number does not take into account the hundreds of thousands of aliens who evade apprehension entirely, which is estimated to be approximately 600,000 in the fiscal year of 2022 alone. J.J. Carroll is one of the few people who can provide you with an authentic and first-hand account of what's really happening at the border and provide you a sense of the urgency of the matter. He's a former frontline agent and senior leader with the U.S. Border Patrol, and he can provide a unique perspective on the effects of illegal immigration and the security of the nation's border and how to fix this troubling trend relating to the immigration crisis Americans are currently experiencing and with Title 42, the COVID-19 area restriction which allowed the United States to expel migrants set to end this upcoming Thursday, the urgency of the matter couldn't be more dire. Carroll says that the U.S. immigration system is broken and sadly he doesn't see a fix on the immediate or long-term horizon. However, he still believes in the notion of America being the greatest nation on earth. However, it saddens him deeply to see the current state of affairs at the border. Carol joined me this week to talk about the immigration crisis, how to fix it, and what comes next. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. We can talk about Title 42 right now or later, um, but um, I have, I've only been out of Border Patrol for less than two years as, as a retiree, um, so I have a very uh, great idea of what's going on on the border because um, I experienced it uh, for 24 years, and now that I have all my sources as well, filling in the blanks that I may not have uh, by being on the border with them. Absolutely. Well, 
With that, JJ, I welcome you uh, to the program, my friend, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about a very, very uh, timely and important topic as Amer America tries to deal with their uh, crisis at the border, my friend. Great uh, to see you this morning, and thank you so very much for being here. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm very excited about having this discussion with you. Absolutely. Now, uh, JJ, as you uh, know, uh, you've spent uh, uh, more than two decades on uh, the border as a border patrol agent for uh, San Diego. And certainly, uh, as I mentioned at the outset of our uh, conversation, uh, what's happening at the uh, border now is uh, of grave concern to a lot of people. And I know that you have a unique perspective on how uh, Secretary Mayorkas is handling the whole situation. So I'm wondering your thoughts uh, at the current state of the border and a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Um, so I started my career in 1997 in the United States Border Patrol and my first duty station was Imperial Beach Station in California and it is the southwesternmost point of the United States. And we worked six to 11 miles, depending on uh, those 10 years, to the San Ysidro Port of Entry. It's only six miles, uh, linear miles. It was one of the most violent times in recent Border Patrol history. We were assaulted constantly. Uh, shootings, rockings, fights, anything you can imagine uh, occurred. It was a war zone, and it is still to this day. Um, I made my bones and my reputation on that border as a journeyman agent, as a supervisor. And then I began getting promoted and I went up to Orange County, California in San Clemente Border Patrol Station, which is right on Camp Pendleton, the largest Marine uh, installation uh, in America. And I ran a task force of 50 Border Patrol agents and Office of Field Operation Officers, along with uh, a dozen California National Guardsmen to combat the uh, human and narcotic smuggling via the Pacific Ocean. We were the first of its kind, I'm very proud of that. Um, and we did uh, incredible, incredible success on that. In fact, we arrested El Chapo Guzman, uh, his, his loads, his narcotic loads that came into the coast from the Sinaloa cartel. And one of my agents actually testified against El Chapo Guzman and helped secure his, uh, his conviction, which uh, we're very proud of. Um, I finished my career uh, as a deputy patrol agent in charge of a station in a northern, uh, a northern station in San Diego, highway interdiction that focuses on uh, human smuggling and uh, narcotic smuggling. So why my perspective is, is extremely unique is because I can discuss with you what it's like to be on the border that we're going to discuss today, not from an academic perspective or I watched it on TV. No, I was down in there in that war zone working. And I, as a senior leader, I have a 30,000 foot view of what's happening, meaning how are the policies being implemented? How are they being discussed and agreed upon how they're being implemented in the field all the way down? And I have an, I believe I have an academic perspective on it too, because I um, dedicated my life to this for 24 years. I just didn't want to be just an agent. I wanted to have incredible knowledge. Uh, so I studied uh, and read everything I get my hands on for over two and a half decades and continually today so that I could have academic discussions about policy, law, 
and the manipulation of that. So my experience allows me to have a very unique perspective than say a talking head on cable that's just gonna show you a video of a conga line in uh, the Rio Grande. I wanna discuss who's allowing this to happen. How is this being uh, facilitated and what methods are our own government using to circumvent immigration law? And I think this is very important to, to begin uh, when we just we're having this discussion is I'm not a disgruntled border patrol agent. I'm not a uh, angry government, former government employee. I'm extremely proud of the organization that I work for and extremely proud of my, my career and the men and women that I work for. Um, so I'm in, 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 in effect, I'm speaking for them as well because I get these calls day and night about what's in pictures and videos of what's happening. And we need to discuss, and from my perspective, I want your audience to know that I believe what is happening on the border today is intentional. Our own government is facilitating the absolute destruction of the American immigration system. And I can prove it point by point. And I know that is a controversial thing to say. I know it's uncomfortable because nobody wants to have a discussion about how their own government is uh, hurting their nation. Um, but I'm, I am... I'm unafraid to speak the truth. And when I speak, it's not gonna be about um, my feelings or what I believe things should be. This is just data-driven and experience-driven. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, dive into uh, uh, this, uh, sort of the frontline view of what's going on at the border. And if you can give me that uh, frontline perspective and how you think the situation can be rectified as well? Okay, the frontline situation right now is utter and absolute chaos. Um, anything that you may think you hear on the news, go ahead and times it times a million. Um, it's that bad. Let me give you an example. Just I like I said before, I came on. I had a, a former colleague and, and someone I trust immensely uh, send me some pictures, and he said to me, JJ, we have. Our, our holding facility, in, this is a station in San Diego, is at maximum capacity. We're over 200% over maximum capacity, meaning that means you have hundreds and hundreds of aliens in a capacity where it should only be 100 or two, 200. So they probably have four or 500 people jammed in these cells. On the border, waiting between the fences on American soil is another thousand people as you and I are speaking on one station in one mile of 2,000 miles of the international border. That gives you a snapshot of what is occurring right now, daily. And from, a, from the agent's perspective, they're, they're sending me pictures and they're telling me, I want you to look at these pictures, JJ. Tell me what's different. And I'm looking at the pictures and I'm like, oh, oh man, this, these, are, these are called other than Mexicans, Odoms. So you're having the drug cartels are facilitating massive incursions at one time. For example, to, this is happening every day in San Diego sector. Groups of two and 300 individuals from the continent of Africa, from nations Sudan, Angola, uh, Somalia, are jumping the border and squatting and sitting and waiting to be arrested. The vast majority of all these are single adult male military age. These agents are contacting me and they are distressed. And they are fearful. And here's the thing, Kevin, which which I've been in, in the Border Patrol and been around and been with my brothers and sisters. We have 
the emotions and the characteristics that I can express to you what we feel, the one that I never, ever heard or felt was fear until now. Agents and ICE officers and, and Border Patrol agents are fearful of what's happening on the border. So these are the frontline guys that are screaming out, dear God, will somebody say what is happening? You have from war-torn terrorist countries, you have their single adult males of military age pouring into our nation by the thousands. This is not gonna end well. It's gonna be horrible for our nation. And we're not talking thousands, we're talking millions upon millions of people are coming into our nation. And JJ, with uh, the uh, COVID era restrict restriction known as uh, Title 42 ending on uh, Thursday, I, I can only imagine that adds to uh, the, the stress on the uh, front line workers. And tell me, with the restriction ending on on uh, Thursday, tell me what are some of the concerns and uh, some of the talking points that you're hearing from people on the, on the ground at the border? Well, um, all of the men and women that are contacting me are absolutely frightened beyond belief. Right now, all, all intel states that there are approximately one million people camping out on the, on the southern side and the northern side of the border waiting for Title 42. A million people. Do you, does anybody have an understanding? Okay, let, I'm a big football fan. So you're talking about the University of Michigan, which has 100,000 people in their stadium every, every weekend for the game. That's 10 Michigan, University of Michigan football stadiums emptying out into America in one day. And that's what's going to happen. You are going to see a tsunami of individuals come across our border that we have no idea who they are. And it's going to overwhelm the system. It's going to be... We're talking amongst my colleagues. It is going to be the biggest human, human trafficked and human desperation situation that America has ever seen. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be frightening when you, when you start to see the pictures and they're starting to come out. My, my, my sources are saying that the border patrol is now talking about mandating these agents to work six days a week. That's six, 10 hour shifts a week. That's not going to last long. Guys are going to get burned out, frustrated, resentful. And the, and the surge and the tsunami of individuals will not cease. It will continue to happen for months. So, JJ, uh, with that as a, a backdrop, I'm, I'm curious to uh, get your perspective on what the fix is. Because, you know, uh, administration after administration is tried to uh, fix this issue, but they haven't been able to come to sort of a bipartisan compromise. So what do you think is uh, the remedy to this uh, dire situation? Well, the very first thing that has to happen is, is Mayorkas and Biden, uh, they have facilitated this through their actions. And let me explain to you, I used to get the 24-hour report comes in my desk in my the position I had before, and it would detail exactly how many people and what type of individuals crossed our border. President Trump, and people do not have to like him, and I will be honest, I'm a big 
uh, Trump supporter as far as the Border Patrol. He was the greatest Border Patrol president ever in my career. When Trump, prior to Trump leaving office, we were averaging 150 to 400 arrests a day, over 2,000 miles over a 24-hour period. That was effectively secure. The border, we were within six to eight months of having the border completely shut down. So you want to talk about how do you do it? You do it what Trump did. Trump went down to the northern triangle countries of Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Mexico. And he said to them effectively, you are going to stand up your border patrol and you're going to stand up your military. You're going to stop this incursion. And if you don't, I'm withholding all of your international funds. And they went, yes, sir, we'll do what you want. At the same time, Trump set up the border wall and he let it be known to anybody crossing. If you are crossed, if you cross, you're going back to your country. If you're in the interior, we're going to find you. We're going to arrest you. ICE was having flights all over the world, just deporting everybody. So we had effectively, prior to Trump being uh, not elected for, for the second term, we had the border secure. Fast forward to the day Biden came into office in January, those numbers that were 150 arrests and maybe 400 at the height now jumped over 5,000 because he stopped building the wall, he removed us from enforcing immigration law, and he welcomed all these people to come. As I'm speaking to you today, the numbers have increased to 9,000 arrests a day. We are on pace to surpass 3 million arrests and releases in one fiscal year. And I'm telling you also now that because of his policies and what he is doing, he being Biden administration and Mayorkas, there are hundreds of miles of the United States southern border that there is not one border patrol agent patrolling. So if you want to shut the border down and you want to have control and sovereignty, then you do what Trump did. It's, it's not a it's not difficult. It's very common sense. So when when the common sense solution is not implemented, the very next question a rational person should ask is, why not? Why are you not? implementing what was worked in the past instead you've done the direct opposite and when you look at the uh, political nature of of america today either side of the aisle uh it's hard to get anything done but i think we can all agree that there's there's an issue at the border so what do you think would be a acceptable a compromise or a good place to start after uh, after reconstructing the wall. If you think that's the best way forward, what do you think is a bipartisan compromise that people on both sides of the aisle would swallow? Okay, and I agree with you. The very first thing that has to be done is a border has to be secure. If you're living in your house, Kevin, and, you're, and, you're, and, and your sink is overflowing, do you turn on more faucets or do you turn off the faucet that's broken, the pipe that's broken? You, you stop the flooding and, and then you reassess the situation and you make the repairs and course correct as needed. I'm for that as well. You have got to shut the border down. The illegal aliens that are in our country need to be removed. And then there needs to be a discussion 
what is the number of legal immigrants that you want to come in? Because I am for legal immigration. I am for individuals coming into America either on a uh, as an immigrant, a non-immigrant, or somebody that just wants to come in and work. I want those protections from the United States of America Constitution granted to these individuals instead of them being abused and manipulated as pawns in uh, in our in our country as far as corporate elite. Uh, farm workers, service workers being abused, working under the table for, for non-livable wages. I believe that the government needs to come and say, this is how many people we agree to, which ironically they did in 1990 when they set the limit at 1.2 million people. We immigrate 1.2 million people every year. And this is the irony. And this is what is so frustrating and makes us all so angry. The individuals in Congress that set these laws, these immigration laws and these parameters, and then we went to the academy and we swore an oath with our gun and the badge that we are going to enforce the laws that you implemented, that you passed. And now, because we're implement, we're, we're trying to do those, enforce those laws, we are somehow the Nazis, the racists, the xenophobes, when in fact, we do not have the power. You as the Congress has the power to implement and create laws and pass laws, then go ahead and do it. If you don't think a million people every year is enough, then you think it's 10 million, then go to Congress, set a bill in motion, and vote on it to get it to 10 million. That's what needs to happen. So, And I understand we have a divide in our nation, but we need to lay blame where blame needs to be laid. You can't cry at Congress and say, well, this is wrong, this is wrong. Well, you have the power to correct it, then correct it. And then we'll implement that law as law enforcement officers. Yeah, absolutely. JJ, I want to ask you about uh, children that are coming without uh, their parents or uh, parents who are bringing their children over the border and they really don't have... Uh, a secure way of housing these people uh, once they're over the border. And uh, that compounds the problem after they get to America because they're not uh, taken care of adequately in order to live. So talk to me about uh, your concern with uh, the children and families who are coming across the border who may be separated or who aren't adequately taken care of because I know as a border agent that's something that you experienced over the course of your career and certainly something that's still going on today. So talk to me about uh, children and families and the border and how it's all interconnected. Uh, thank you for asking this question because a lot of the media don't want to talk about this. This is a, a very um, sick thing to discuss um, because we as a nation are culpable for what is happening. So these in, these young minors that you're talking about, we, we, we give them the title of Unaccompanied Alien Children, UACs. So under Biden's administration, three, over 350,000 UACs have been detained in U.S. custody. Mayorkas, two weeks ago, was in Congress under oath speaking to Senator from Tennessee, Blackburn, and he admitted that HHS, which is Health and Human Services, which is uh, tasked with reuniting 
these UACs with family members in the United States. HHS, Mayorkas admitted, has lost, his words, lost over 85,000 of these children. 85,000 children have been lost in America. They have no idea where they are, and they have no idea who they gave them to. Now, we're starting to see these children ending up in meatpacking plants, working 12 years old, working midnight shift in meatpacking plants. We're finding these young kids in pedophile sex rings being sexually abused. This is happening in my country. 85,000 kids are being human traffic for sex and human traffic for labor in my country. And no one says anything. No one does it. How do you lose 85,000? I can't even believe if you lost 85 kids, I would be outraged. But 85,000? There is a moral rot in our country. And we are allowing it to happen because in America, we are the government. So we have culpability. The, 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 what is happening with the unaccompanied alien children is... It is shines a light on the moral bankruptcy of America. And I don't say that lightly. And I don't take any joy in bashing my country. I love my country. We are the greatest nation on, on earth. We have given more, more good services, help to any nation and any to, to all the nations combined. But we are bankrupt right now in what we are doing. And I want your audience to know that these 85,000 kids, we have no idea. We have no idea where they are. And like I said, they're turning up, working very dangerous jobs at midnight. And they're being sex trafficked. That, that's, let me give you another statistic that I don't know your, that, that you know or your audience knows. Left-wing organizations as far as well as right-leaning right organizations have agreed on this. Six out of ten of every woman and young child that makes the trek from South or Central America up into Mexico into the U.S. is sexually assaulted or raped. Six out of 10. This is a humanitarian crisis on a level this, this world has not seen maybe ever. And it is happening. As I'm speaking to you, there are hundreds of women being raped and kids being sexually assaulted. Right now, as you and I are speaking, and no one's doing anything about it. That should outrage everyone. So with that said, if I made you uh, senator uh, for a day and you really have, have the attention of Congress on this issue, what does common sense, uh, uh, comprehensive immigration reform look like to you? And what sort of things would you want to see in a bill to really move, move this forward, JJ? The very first thing is the border secure through the military and the border patrol. The border fences erected. There is, it's impenetrable on the, on both coast, the Coast Guard and Navy shuts down the enormous amounts of narcotics pouring into our nation from our coastline and our Northern border secure. You know, being in Canada, it has, has gone four, it's been tenfold the number of arrests and deaths of individuals coming from Canada into to the United States of America. 
That is the very first thing. The second thing, everyone that is in our country illegally has one week to be removed. They will voluntarily remove. We did this in the 1940s and 50s. They will remove themselves. When that is done and when all of that is done, we will open up, we will look at every bit, every segment of the immigration law and make sure that all loopholes are closed. And then we will create or enhance our already humanitarian way of allowing people to come into our nation. That is the only way that this works. We're America. The reason why America is great is because of our freedoms and our opportunities. But our freedoms and our opportunities are based off of law and order. If you do not have law and order, you have chaos. And then chaos does not take, it, it, it erodes freedoms and opportunities. So if we do not have an orderly way to do things and that the people that are coming in are beneficial to America, that's the number one thing that, that needs to be discussed is, are these immigrants coming to America? Are they beneficial to America? If they're not, they should not be allowed in. And that goes for any country, Japan, Russia, China, Canada. If they don't benefit the native-born citizens of that nation, then they can't be allowed in. And then I I'm curious to ask you about creating a legal uh, pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants or those who have crossed the border, uh, because, as you know, there is... Uh, a labor shortage in America, even though uh, unemployment is lower, there is still a labor shortage in America. But I'm curious to ask you about uh, a legal pathway to citizenship and what uh, equity and equality look like for the people that are uh, legally crossing the border uh, on a regular basis. Uh, you're talking about the legal immigrants that are in or legal? Uh, I, I'm asking about um, uh, a legal uh, pathway to citizenship yeah. and, and making sure or once these immigrants are over in America, what does equity and equality look like to you? Equity and quality, it, the definitions that people have for it all over the the. The map. So for, for this conversation to answer this question, I'm going to use the terms equity and, and equality in, in the framework of fairness. What is fair? What is what's and I want to use the word fair in terms of what's fair for Americans. OK, mm -hmm. so I have your brother. I'm assuming that he lives. He, he's a Canadian citizen and had to come to America. So he had to have a, a, a visa. visa. Yeah, yeah. yeah visa. So. There are millions of people that want to come into America legally, but because the system is so broken all the way down to its core because of the illegal immigrants that the people that want to come to our country legally cannot because the system is so jammed up. Let me give you an example. There are less than a thousand asylum officers in our nation, less than a thousand. There are over three million people seeking asylum and counting every day. They are at almost a six to 10 year wait limit to see an immigration judge. People that are coming through or want to come through legally cannot see an immigration judge and get adjudicated, their case being adjudicated because the system's broken. So when you talk about equity and equality and I see fairness, the people that are in our country broke our law and they cannot stay. They cannot continue, they cannot 
be a citizen or a naturalized citizen until they leave and then reapply. That's the first thing that has to happen. When you talk about lack of employees, I'm all for that. If, if a company says or a group or a sector within the economy says, we're short 50,000 individuals, then if we, we have a mechanism in place, H-1B-2, H-1B-1 visas to come into work, that is a whole nother Pandora's box to open. But there is, the irony is there are legal ways already in place. But the question that I would ask, and I've asked this many times with people, we have these discussions. If you're saying that we need to take in more people, I want to know how many you're saying. Because there's a little over 8 billion people in the world today. Half of them live in poverty that we can't even fathom. Half of that half, half of the 4 billion, 2 billion, live in squalor that we can't even comprehend that misery. So out of those 2 billion that want to come to America, how many are coming to America? And no one can give me an answer because they know that they give me an answer. The very next question is, well, then what are you going to do if you say it's 20 million that are allowed to come in? Okay, then what are you going to do about the other 1.98 billion that want to come? You have to have a barrier to stop these people from coming in and then have your legal way of allowing people to come into America. That is the only way for fairness for everyone. And when we talk about uh, asylum judges or officers, obviously there's a there's a backlog of people that are wait, waiting for their cases to be heard, and and you saw the reports that Biden is sending, I think it's fifteen hundred troops to the border to help with uh, that sort of a thing. But telling about the resources that are needed now at the border to really sort of stem the tide of this problem. What sort of resources could the government give now uh, to help uh, with this issue? Well, the, the individuals that he sent down, the 1500 uh, army uh, from our military, it, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a lie. Those, those men that are, that are battle-tested, battle-ready soldiers are forbidden from doing any immigration enforcement, none. They are all they are allowed to do is feed, clothe, and transport illegal immigrants. That's it. So they are actually going to increase the 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 ease at which illegal immigrants can come into our country. So if if we're going to talk about what do you do, let me just let let's play this out. This is the best way I like to articulate it. If I if I told you right now there are a million Russians soldiers in Mexico up on the border. Would you just send 1,500 people, soldiers down there to help? Or would you send your military down? I'm telling you, we have, 50, we have over a million, peop million people sitting on the border right now, waiting to come in on Thursday, May 11th. And we send down 1,500 troops that are not allowed to even touch them. They can't even physically touch them. There's, our government is doing everything in their power to destroy the American immigration system. And I stand by that because they're doing nothing. If I was in charge and you had millions of people coming into our nation, 
the first job that Secretary Mayorkas has is to secure our nation and, and provide sovereignty for the United States of America. He has abdicated his responsibility and he is criminally negligent and he's doing this on purpose. And it's, it, it's, it's frustrating, it's angry and because no one voted for this. Let me just tell you just data wise, since Biden has taken office to this point, he, he being the Border Patrol has arrested over 7 million people. Over 87% of those 7 million people have been released, released into America. I am telling you from experience and from my sources that because there are no agents on the border, the getaways, people that cross and are not detected are in the millions. So in the, in the span of Biden's first two, two and a half years, he has allowed in between 12 and 15 million people into our nation. 15 million. I mean, I know we deal in big numbers with trillions here and a billion there. 15 million people illegally in our country on top of the other 20 to 30 million that were already here. That's a catastrophe. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, the America was founded on the notion of uh, a land of immigrants, and I, I don't have to tell you that. So, I, I'm just curious, from your own personal perspective, what uh, breaks your heart the most when you look at the current state of the border? The thing that breaks my heart the most is the endless stream of violence and destruction and death that occurs in America. And we're not even talking about the economic destruction, uh, the, the societal decay, or uh, the schools failing, hospitals closing. I'm talking about the men and women, the US citizens that are being murdered, raped, uh, sexually abused as children by the hands of illegal immigrants. And why I say that is I can, in detail, show you how we have a standing army of illegal, criminal illegal aliens in our nation in the millions. I did this for a living. I know the numbers. You have millions of people in our country that are from petty thefts to murderers and hardcore felons. That breaks my heart to see America being destroyed from within, from their own leaders. That is what's the biggest pain, the biggest sorrow that I have. And it's all, all of America's, all America's ills and problems are now self-inflicted. We brought this upon ourselves. We have ownership of this. And seeing the, the devastation of little babies, and women being brutally raped coming up to America and their lives are forever destroyed. That is heartbreaking because we are facilitating that human destruction. And no matter what side of the aisle you're on, uh, this is a, an American problem. And when you look at the frontline perspective, I'm curious since you've all only been out of the border a couple of years, when you talk to frontline workers, I, I'm curious, how would you characterize morale and how they're holding up uh, with the current state of the border? Because once Thursday comes, it'll uh, elevate to a whole a different level. So tell me about uh, what you're hearing on the front lines from the, the sources that you talk to and you're own perspective as well as what people need 
need to know what border agents are currently dealing with as we speak. The border patrol agents that I speak to and they and ICE agents, ICE officers, and they range from uh, individuals up in Washington, D.C. at DHS at headquarters all the way down to uh, high-level senior leaders within in sectors and frontline agents. The morale has disappeared. It is zero. They are frustrated. They are angry. They are resentful. They are fearful of what's happening to our nation. I get texts every now and then. We're literally from people, some people I know, some people I don't, that, that all they say, they're begging me, please, please continue to get the word out. America needs to know what's going on. The agents are tired. They're frustrated. They feel abandoned by their own agency and their own government. Um, and there is, no, there is no end in sight. There is no hope in the future in their minds. And that is not good in law enforcement. They believe that they have become... The, the end part of the smuggling or smuggling agreement, meaning once those individuals come across the border, instead of arresting them and arresting the human smugglers and the coyotes, they are now become the smuggler and they're bringing these people into America and releasing them. The morale is non-existent and the frustration and the level of resentment is off the charts. And JJ, my final question for you this morning has to do with what brings you the... Uh, uh, for the lack of a better word, what brings you the most hope for, for uh, solving this problem, and how uh, do you think this will ultimately come to an end? I'm an optimistic man by nature, but as I've gotten older, I have uh, succumbed to being more of a realist. And I just had this conversation this morning with an individual that I trust very much, and we were discussing the exact same question. Is there any hope? Where are we at in this, uh, in this, if you will, this this uh, spectrum? Where are we at? I believe we're at the tipping point of no return, and I do not possess much hope that this will change. And if it does not change in the immediate future, I don't believe there's a way of coming back from it. And I say that because we are seeing a demographic shift in America not a racial, ethnic, even a country of origin demographic shift. We're having an in, incredible demographic shift of citizens versus non-citizens. And you can control non-citizens from a government much more than you can control citizens with Second Amendment and First Amendment guarantees. So as a realist, I do not see great hope on the horizon. In fact, I see after Thursday, coupled with the continue on the, the treasonous policies of our administration, I believe America is going to have decades of pain and suffering. Well, it, it's certainly a, a, a grim picture to pain, but it's certainly an a, a issue that we all uh, should bring attention to. And I want to thank you for your work in uh, this important area, my friend. And uh, tell me, JJ, if people want to get connected with you to continue uh, this conversation, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, right now, the best way to do it is go to jjcarroll.substack.com. I have an, uh, I post articles three days a week on uh, the border, current events, and, uh, and gives you a detailed 
explanation of what is happening. So JJ Carroll at dot uh, Substack would be great. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak to you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to thank you for your work on this issue, my friend. And I also want to thank you for being here this morning. It's most appreciated. All right. You take care and hope your brother does well uh, in his new job in America.